Imagine having the life of your dreams. Not temporary cash and glory, but happiness and inner peace. Explore new ways to be a creator and take your own journey into greatness. Is it possible? What does it take to make that happen? It takes the person known for extreme results. He's called the cage breaker and the ultimate catalyst. Coming back from the brink of death and now crushing it for himself and his clients, this is your Ultimate Life Podcast with Kellen Flukiger. Hello, hello, hello there and welcome to this episode of Your Ultimate Life, the podcast dedicated to helping you Create a life of purpose, prosperity, and joy by serving with your divine gifts. This is episode 613, and the name of this episode is The Challenge of Change. Why would I call something the challenge of change? Well, that ought to be pretty obvious. Changing things can be hard. Sometimes they can be easy. You know, you can change your clothes. That might be easy and fast. But when we get into habits, especially ones that we've had for a long time, change can be really hard. Now, there's several reasons for this, and we're not going to do a bunch of psychobabble about why it's hard to change, except with the intent of figuring out how to make it happen, because mastering your monsters means eliminating those habits and practices that are getting in your way. Like, you want to have the life of your dreams. You want to have the ultimate life. You want to have a life of purpose. You want to have all the prosperity you need and joy and have fun every single day. You want that. So do I. So does everybody. Yet so few actually live each day in happiness and joy. Why is that? Is it really that elusive? Well, it's not. But we get in the way. And, you know, in the coaching world, it's really common to say, well, I get in my own way. And people will say that. I know, I know, I just get in my own way about this. And so we have a sense of blocking ourselves. And that doesn't even make any sense. Like, why would you keep yourself from the pot of gold that's right there waiting for you? Wow, why would you do that? Right? Well, you wouldn't on purpose. But we do it. And we do it all the time. And most of it is because we give in to habits. Well, so what is a habit? Well, a habit is a traditional way of doing things. So, for example, without thinking, if you're rinsing dishes or if you're tying your shoe or if you're putting things away or you're folding some clothes, like you have it a, a habitual way to do it. Like, like this is just how you do it. And habits save a lot of thinking and a lot of energy. And they're patterns, and our mind works on patterns. And it allows us to be far more efficient. If we had to think about how to tie your shoes every time, or if you had to think about how to fold clothing, or think about how to you know, even mow the lawn, or whatever things you do on a regular basis, it would take a lot more energy. So habits can be great servants but they can be terrible masters. So let's just define a habit as a repeated way of doing things that's designed to be, you know, efficient and help us do things without thinking too much about each one. So it's easy. Okay. Now, there is another kind of habit 
We can have habits about how we cope with difficult situations. A habit I used to have is to, you know, use drugs or drink too much. We all know those habits, and we give those a special name. We call those addictions. And those are sort of standardized coping mechanisms for emotional pain. They're ways that we get through situations. There are other addictions that are, have nothing to do with substances uh, that, that are like emotional habits. So, for example, you can be addicted to anger, and your normal response to any difficult situation is to get angry because it deflects the real conversation. It turns the spotlight off of you and onto something or someone else. Or another habit that you could have is to hide, to withdraw, to back off, you know, to just clam up and not talk. Or you may have a habit of just disengaging from a conversation and leaving the room or changing the subject. Or you may have a habit, I know, in fact, I have a client who has a habit of binge-watching television instead of taking action that he's told himself he's going to take, but it's just easy to get hooked on that TV show and just binge watch and numb out and numbing out emotionally, physically, that is a habit and it's really destructive because it prevents us from growth. All those are examples of getting in our own way. So change is hard because we get used to doing things a certain way and we drop into these habits. So where do these habits come from? Well, the obvious thing is you do something over and over again, and it gets to be a habit. I noticed the other day that when I brush my teeth, I, I put toothpaste on about the same way, and I tend to start exactly in the same place in my mouth. And I thought, Hi, there's a habit. And there's nothing wrong with that habit. But just because I wanted to experiment, I started being aware of that and intentionally starting somewhere else, right, uh, with, the, with the brushing. And I did that, and you know, if I don't think about it, I haven't done that enough, I'll automatically still start the other way. So that gives you an illustration of the power of a habit. So habits come from repetition. They come from repeatedly doing things, and that actually wears a groove. It's like walking through the forest. People walk in a certain place, and pretty soon there's a path there. You notice that at, at university, right? Uh, a big a lawn area and students cut across, and pretty soon, there's a little path worn right there. I went to one school where, uh, rather than try to prevent that, they just put concrete in all those places. And so the large areas were crisscrossed with concrete at different angles so that it you know, wouldn't wear out the grass and, and facilitate direct travel. So that's kind of what habits are. They're a groove. They're a path worn in the grass or in the fertile areas of our mind, and the mind actually represents those by what's called neural pathways. And so when you are presented with a situation, your mind defaults automatically to the neural pathway that is that habit. So that's where they come from. Now let's talk about the next thing, which is why would we change a habit? Well, if a habit serves you, then it's great. It serves you well, you get up at a certain time, you go through a certain routine in the morning, if that routine prepares you well, you feel good, you're rested, you're powerful, you do the things you want to do to create yourself in power that day, then it's a great habit. 
I have a habit now of a morning ritual that prepares me powerfully and uh, so that I feel really good and able to take on the day in the very best way that I know how. I'm constantly on the lookout to see if I can make it better, but it's a habit, and it's a habit that serves me. So habits make great servants because it's my default way of dealing with the morning, but they make terrible masters. Like when I have had a habit to use substances to numb myself from emotional pain. So we would change them. The answer to that question is, why would you change a habit? Well, you change a habit anytime it's not serving you, right? Now, in order to do that, you have to notice it. So the first challenge we have to overcome is to notice. Often what we do is when we say, well, I'm going to change this, then we get mad at ourselves the minute we fail. All right, I'm going to quit doing that thing. And then the minute we, we fail at that, rah, 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 we start railing on ourselves, right? You should have been able to do that and get negative and angry. And that doesn't work. In fact, it reinforces the habit. It makes us fearful. And then we treat, it's like getting yelled at by someone else. Yelling at yourself is the same thing. So you change your habits when you notice they don't serve you. We talked a little bit in the last uh, uh, season or last episode, I mean, about how to do it gently and a little at a time. But the first step is to notice. Notice what isn't serving you. This doesn't work for me. And here is a key. This is a, a hack, a trick, a powerful tool. Instead of saying good and bad, oh, I shouldn't do that which implies I'm bad for doing that, or I'll be good if I do something else, change the language to it works and it doesn't work. Does this habit work for me? In other words, is it what I want to do? Is my outcome the right one? Pick an easy one. You're late for work, and it has become a habit to be either barely on time or five minutes late. Does that work for you? It doesn't. If people notice and it's a problem with what you've agreed to do and, you know, you get a reputation and on and on and on, that is in the not work category. So rather than yell at yourself and call it bad and negative, just say, look, it doesn't work. I don't like the consequences, the reputation I have, the feeling that people can't depend on me. I don't like that. It doesn't work. So rather than making yourself bad, just say, well, all right, what would work? What, what, would, what would be, you know, something that worked for me? And then you identify that, and then you start identifying, what would I need to do to make this new thing that worked happen? And it might be some changes at home. It might be five minutes earlier getting up or 10 minutes or one or two less snoozes or establish a little better morning ritual. But if you do it in the context of working and not working instead of good and bad, I promise you it's way easier to change. All right, the last thing I wanted to talk about uh, in the challenge of change was the idea of beliefs versus desires. And this goes to the core of our, our thoughts. When you go up against something, you've got a habit, you want to change it. If your feeling is like, oh, I want to change this habit. I don't know if I can. Oh, I probably can't do that. I know I'm, I'm just that way. I'm just always late. I'm just always tired. And, and, but I want to change it because it doesn't work. If there's a conflict between what you believe and what you desire, beliefs will win 
every time. Your beliefs in your heart trigger automatic responses. So what is the key? Well, the key is to change what you believe about your possibilities. Now, sometimes we are, we feel like, well, we can't change those beliefs because, well, I'm not doing it, so therefore I know I can't. That's not true. That's, that's, a, that's a case of what has happened before must continue into the future. That's like saying, because this is a habit, it can never change. Like, never. Well, that's just not true. Everything changes. Seasons change. Days change. Fruit trees produce and then decay. And, you know, fruit ripens and then rots. Everything changes constantly. So tomorrow isn't going to be a repeat of today unless you let it. So the key here is to go to work on those beliefs. And we've had several conversations about how beliefs work and what to do to change them. Instead of trying to attack them head on and say, oh, I just can't do this. I just don't believe I can. Do this instead. Well, I know I believe this can't work or I can't do this. That's fine. What else could I believe? Well, I could believe that I could change a little. I could believe I can add five minutes or subtract five minutes. I could believe that. Well, if I did, what would I do, right? And it becomes a game. There's a book that I wrote about how to change beliefs called The Book of Context. And that, it's not very big, that entire book is a, is a, a framework about how to change beliefs, even deep-seated ones. And it starts with just asking the question, what else could I believe or what else does someone else believe in this situation? And then without making yourself wrong or being frustrated about it, just experiment. What would I do if I believed that? Ah, I can't make any more. I can't sell anymore if your job is sales. Well, that's a belief. It's a story. If I thought I could, if I believed that I could, what would I do? Well, I'd probably make a couple more phone calls, right? And so you play with that and you do just to see what happens. One of the biggest things that gets in the way of our beliefs or, or reinforces them is this fear of failure. We believe that failure means we're bad. We believe that if something doesn't work the way we thought it would, that something is wrong with us. That is not a true thought. Nothing is wrong with you. It may be true that what you tried didn't work, but that does not mean something is wrong with you. It just means what happened. I tried this, it didn't work. Okay. That's a statement of fact. And when we begin to unattach those, disconnect, my worth from the outcome of a particular effort, then we can try new things without that fear of failure, without thinking that somehow it's an indictment of us as a person. Just do it. Just jump in and try some new things. Subtract the judgment, make it a game, and just see what happens. I know for sure, because I've done it, I've taught it, and I've watched it with many people. If you try that, 
you'll get astounding new um, unexpected results. It's what I call them. Wow, I didn't think I could fill in the blank. And soon you'll realize you actually can. Make the changes you want, overcome the challenges you want, and get rid of those monsters that are keeping you from living your best life. And then you'll be quickly on the road and creating your ultimate life. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope that you take it deeply into your heart and decide for yourself how you can create anything you desire. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends. As always, we'd love to hear your feedback and topic suggestions. Until tomorrow, this is Your Ultimate Life with host Kellen Flukiger. Stand with your heart.